Hey, you're awake. You're ready for action. All right. Here it is, the Wendy's Award. We are there. We're calling this the sixth annual-ish Wendy's Award since we had to take a little year off. So that is it. Somebody's walking home with the Volunteer of the Year Award tonight. Plus, we have some other stuff. So it's going to be fun. Hopefully, you'll be here this evening and join us for a a good dinner as well. Hey, we're going to jump right into this because I I don't want to get cut short on what we need to talk about. To some degree, this is the most important of the messages we're talking about. Now, remember, the foundation of you and your own Christian walk in front of your kids is vital. You can't substitute it. But what do we do after this? What do we do with our faith when we're trying to instill it in our kids, and we've been doing it for years, and they hit a point where they begin to question it. Parents, have you ever experienced your kids questioning anything you have told them? Right? No? Uh, is it just me? Yeah, you know, right? Your kid's three, and they question something. Six, and they question something. But here's the thing. When they begin to get about 12, 13, 14, there's some existential, there's some philosophical, there's some ideological things that they begin to question. It won't just be behavioral. Go clean your room. No, I don't want to do that. Now it'll be, why do we believe that? Why do we go there? How come another Christian believes something different than we do about that particular passage? What do we do when those questions start to come up as parents? Listen, here's what you don't do, and then we'll jump into what we do. Do not ignore them. Don't just push them off and say, hey, we'll deal with that one day, right? Maybe when you get older, we'll deal with that. You'll learn that in college. That is the time when they are asked that you want to jump into this. Why? Take a look at your sermon notes. Um, And if you didn't get sermon notes, if you got in here, um, we we got a brand new person. Matilda's back here. I had to fire Pastor Anson on this, and I'm, I'm getting Matilda just... Slip up your hand. Matilda will be happy to run you on this morning. And Matilda drove here this morning. She's driving now. Whew, scary, scary. Congrats, Matilda. Here's what you need to see in your sermon notes uh, this morning. Why are we looking at that? What our kids will eventually wrestle with are these things. If what they've heard is really true. Is what you've been telling them really true? They will wrestle with that at some point in time. You may have a wonderful, loving relationship where they never rebel into bad behavior. And they still will ask this question at some point in time. They'll ask if Christianity is for them or just their parents. Is that for you? Listen, in in kind of a, a dumb metaphor, right, we all sometimes, at least my age and younger, we all have looked at an older gentleman and they have had dress socks on with shorts and the dress socks have been up to their knees, right? And of course, my whole life I've been, that's never going to be for me, right? But now I find myself a little bit more at 48 thinking, what I have on, I have on. What do I care? You know, what do I care that you care? If I got dress socks on up to my knees and shorts, so be it. I'm just heading out to the store, right? the mentality starts to change. At some point, they will ask, is that for my parents? Is that for me? Is that the same thing? And then also, they're going to ask if raising their kids these, this way is important. If raising their kids, right? 
Uh, now, all of you that are parents and you have grandparents that were involved as well, you probably did some stuff a little bit different, right? But here would be the question. They will ask, should we raise our kids this way? Should we take our kids to church? Should our kids be part of kids' programs or youth ministry programs? Should we do devotions in the morning? What should we do? Is this Christianity something that will even be part of our life? All these questions will eventually be asked. Now, here's the thing. They won't always be straight up consciously asked. In the sense, they won't always understand they're asking these questions, especially when they're teenagers. When they start to push against a few things, they start to try to articulate that they're questioning and these questions are popping up. You as a parent have to start recognizing this is what's going on. They're starting to think about this whole thing that has been so central to us as parents and that we've wanted to instill to them at various effective levels, right? I mean, parents, we know we've blown it sometimes, right? But they're going to start questioning. So I want to give you just a few things that we want to do in this. Some of this is before the fact because some of you have young kids, right? Some of your kids are six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, and you have a little bit more time to get ahead of this. Some of you, like your, your, your kids are 16 or 17, and you almost are considering that you've blown it up till now, and you haven't. There's still things we can put in place, right? And so I'm going to share with you uh, <coughs> some things that you can do as we're moving forward. Here's the first thing. Know God's word, not simply the church's instruction. Have you ever been told this by maybe a spiritual mentor, that you need to know God's word yourself, not just what you're instructed from a stage somewhere, or what your, you know, your Beth Moore study suggests to you? Nothing wrong with either of those messages, studies like that, but you need to open up God's word and know God's word as well. Here's what happened uh, somewhere around 40 years ago when the contemporary church movement uh, launched. Churches started to move away from walking through books of the Bible and landing on topics, much like we're doing during this series. Now, nothing wrong with that necessarily, but if you would put together several years of you just listening to messages about topics that are attached to a verse or two here or there, it's very likely that you've heard a lot of scripture, but you don't really know the Bible story. Or you don't know the context that goes with that scripture. You don't know the grander story of how it fits in. And so we can think like, I hear all this, but I don't really know it. Take a look at this scripture. Uh, Acts 17 gives us an example of this. Paul is out on his journey. He's with Silas now. We're going to get to this in our Acts series next year. But Paul's out on this journey. It says, as soon as it was dark, the brothers and sisters sent Paul and Silas on to Berea. That was for protection, right? They had people trying to hunt them down. So they go on to Berea. When they arrived, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Translation, they couldn't help but share with others about Jesus. So they got sent to a new city. They're hiding out. And they decide, well, we might as well go and do what we normally do and share Jesus. The Berean Jews were more honorable, your translation might say noble, than those in Thessalonica. This was evident, get this, in the great eagerness with which they accepted the word and examined the scriptures each day to see whether Paul and Silas's teaching was true. Many came to believe, including a number of reputable Greek women and many Greek men. Why were they noble or of rep? Was because they opened up God's word and they searched God's word. 
Now, we know what Paul and Silas were teaching. That was truth. We have the whole book of Acts to work through on our own. They didn't have the book of Acts, though. They didn't have all these letters Paul wrote to read. They have just the words of Paul and Silas who are standing in front of them, and they have generations of their Jewish faith that had nothing to do with Jesus. And here they decided, let's search the scriptures. Let's see if what they're talking about is true. And they looked over and over in God's word. And that's the same thing that we have to do as parents, is you've got to get in God's word and look for yourself and know God's word yourself, not simply what you've been instructed from a church or from a stage or from a, a, a Bible study book. And let's face it, most of our Bible study books, when we call them Bible study, are not really Bible study books. They're somebody kind of giving you their commentary on a topic and using some Bible verses to support it. That's a little bit different than Bible study. So we have to get in and know God's word ourselves. Here's some, here's some ways we can do it. Here's number one. This is a simple way, right? And I understand that the contemporary church is so moved away from this. Like, bring your Bible. Like, like, you realize when you carry your Bible and you bring your Bible, you are modeling for your kids that the Bible is significant. Oh, but I have the Bible on my phone. I can read on my phone. I know you can. But you won't be modeling that you're carrying the Bible. I guarantee you. Like, your kids are not going to look at you on the phone and go, wow, they're really modeling that, they're, that the scripture is important. Now, you don't mean to be not modeling, but when you're carrying this, you are intentionally modeling for your kids that this is important. Now, danger zone. If you bring it on Sunday mornings, but this thing doesn't get opened up during the week, well, you're modeling something else as well. But make this book valuable throughout the week. You sit at your breakfast table. Listen, we sit at our breakfast table max seven minutes in the morning, right? Right? I mean, Liz, you're getting your kids to the same school as mine. Do you even get seven minutes at the breakfast table? Yeah, it's difficult, right? Yeah. But if you sit down, even if it's for five minutes, seven minutes, this book can be there and a verse can be read. And we're modeling how significant this book is to our kids' life just by carrying it. Christians are often described as people who will fight for this book, but hardly ever read it. Does that make a lot of sense to you? It certainly won't make sense to your kids. And it will prompt them to begin to ask the questions that we started with at the beginning. Quote specifics, not just in general. What do I mean by that? Quote specifics to your kids. Well, first, you've got to know the scripture to quote specifics. Instead of just saying this, well, the Bible says that, you should listen to your parents and take out the trash. Well, the Bible doesn't really say that, right? I mean, you are drawing together different biblical teachings to draw a practical conclusion there. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, our whole faith should be practical. But how much better if you say, you know, Paul actually writes in the book of Romans this little verse, and you read the verse, or you share what you can remember of the verse, how much more impactful is that that the, the scripture is significant and I'm building into them God's word and not just this vague teaching that I attach on the Bible says. Listen, those of you who love to share your faith, you love to talk to non-Christians, you're going to know this. One of the biggest problems with saying the Bible says is what else the Bible says. Because 
People that are far from the Lord, they know a few passages. They know a few passages that are a problem to them, that are a struggle with them, and they have a big old why question on it. And so when we vaguely just say the Bible says that, they immediately think of those other verses that the Bible says. And they want to know, well, why would God do that? Why did that happen? So we want to quote more specifics. We want to learn more specifics. And then one day when somebody actually asks us that, and it probably will be our kids, we can say, well, let me tell you why God did that in that passage. And you can share with them. And so let's not be so vague. Let's not be just in general. Let's actually say the Bible, not the Bible says, but this is what this specific passage says and why. Here's the third thing. Learn what you don't know. Listen, parents, you don't have to know everything about the Bible, right? Is that like, whew, good. Or, hey, you know, good, I'm already there, right? <laughs> you don't. But you can't stay there. You can't stay in that place. You can't stay in the spot where you say, I don't really know that. So you can just stay there and not know it, right? You have to learn it. You move into a new house as an adult. I remember we were, when we got married, I was 24, we got our first place, right? And I didn't know anything about electric bills and, and setting up, you know, your utilities and all that kind of stuff. So I just said, well, I don't know it and just move forward in life, right? No, you learn, right? You, all right, it's just a simple phone call. Oh, that's pretty easy. I thought it was much harder than that. You know, we're going to come out to your house on this day, you know, in, in this 24-hour cycle. Be ready the whole time, right? And I, okay, you just learn. It's the same thing. You don't know something about God's word? Fine. It's okay. Go learn it, though. Your kid is questioning something? Go learn it. James was 13 years old. He's 22 years old now. And he came to me at 13. We were sitting and talking at Chick-fil-A, and he asked a question, which was not really a question. It was a statement that he sounds like, basically, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it to you this way, though. He didn't say it like this. The Trinity sounds like a real dumb idea. Why do we really believe that? Now, here I'm a pastor, right? And I'm a big Trinitarian. And in fact, I think the, the belief of the Trinity actually flows in so many things that we don't acknowledge in our Christian faith. And then if it wasn't there, our faith would fall apart. So I have my 13-year-old kids saying, basically, sounds like a, a dumb thing. Did theologians really think through that? <laughs> you know, that is how your teens will ask the question. There'll be this twinge of almost arrogance in there, right? This is what they're asking. Don't blow them off. We had to sit and walk through that. And it wasn't in one breakfast at Chick-fil-A. It was me asking, well, tell me more of what you, what you think on that. And then I said, how, like, how do you think this would work out? How do you think it, like, what's a better thought of this relationship between God, the Son, the Holy Spirit? And it took a few months for us to work through that and process what we really mean. But here's the reason I bring it up in this point. I had never been asked the question about the Trinity in that way. And I wasn't quite sure that morning at Chick-fil-A how to respond. I chose to go Jesus' route when he's asked a question and he responds with a question. You know, that sounded really intelligent for Jesus. So I chose that route. And, and it put us on a month-long conversation about the Trinity that, rent, that was wonderful. Learn what you don't know. So know God's word, not simply the church's instruction. Here's the second thing. Start with the why, not simply the rules. Like start with the why. 
sharing why we do this is really important. And so when you put some rules into place in your life, listen, if you have a three-year-old, you really can't process and reason out all the whys with them. But as they grow, especially when they reach their, ten, their teen years, you need to start incorporating the whys. In fact, I will say it this way. Your teens deserve you to incorporate the why into that. Why? Because you are building a faith foundation. You're building an understanding of how this whole Christianity thing works. And the why is a huge, huge part of that. I mean, how many of you just blindly follow Christianity for the last 30 years and you've never as an adult wondered a little bit why these things happen? You have been able to process the why over your adult years in several areas. So when your kids start to process that, especially as a teen, that's important for you to know and to be able to speak into. Take a look at this passage in Deuteronomy. We touched on it last week, but let me read the whole thing. Um, really, it's not the whole thing, but I'll give you four verses here. In the future, your, kid, your children will ask you, what's the meaning of the laws, the regulations, and the case laws that the Lord our God commanded you? Tell them, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our own eyes, the Lord performed great and awesome deeds of power against Egypt. Pharaoh and his entire dynasty, but the Lord brought us out from here so that we could bring, he, <coughs> he could bring us in, giving us the land that he swore to our ancestors. What's Moses getting at there? He's saying, look, they're going to come and they're going to go, why are we doing all this? Why do we follow all this? And you're going to respond, let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you who he is and what he did for us and what he's called us to and this gift that he still has awaiting for us. That's a why that we need to build into our kids as well and to share with them the why. Why? Listen, little kids, they want to know, right? Teens want to know. Grown adults I've seen as a pastor want to know the why as well. Why do we all want to know? I mean, like, why, why do we say, listen, God has a context for sex within marriage. That's his beautiful context. He made it. Why? Share it with them. Why forgiveness? Why is that so incredibly valuable that we push forgiveness? I mean, we just watched a news report this week, a terrible story of, of uh, our armed service officers being killed in Afghanistan. Does, does forgiveness apply there? Why? All these things. How does it fit in? These are the questions your teens will start to ask. And they'll want to know the why. What's behind it? How does this really play out? Why is the Sabbath still important? Why do some people preach on the Sabbath and other people ignore it altogether? I mean, when I say people, I mean pastors. Why? They're going to want to know these things. So start with the why. When you put a rule in place with a teen in your house, talk about the why, right? Now, it may not always flow down to a Bible verse. You might say, hey, you need to be in at 10 because, you know, you're not an experienced driver. You're new to this driving thing, and we just want you in and not out on the road, especially when, uh, you know, maybe some bars start closing and things like that. So we want you in at 10. You are explaining a why in the process. When it comes to the faith, share the why as well. 
passage in John 10, 10 says this, a thief enters only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they could have life indeed so that they could live life to the fullest. I believe one of the enemy's most clever schemes is making people walk away from the faith because they did something without knowing why they did it. Somewhere in those college years is why teens step away because they, they did this, but they don't really know why they did it. And when they start wrestling with the why, they don't really have, they don't know the answer. They just know they did whatever this thing was. And so it's easy just to put it aside and walk away from it altogether. And you and I as parents are knowing like, oh, no, no, this is why, though. Don't step away from this is why. Start early sharing that why. It's a clever scheme of the, of the enemy. And what's the enemy's purpose? The verse tells us to destroy life, to suck life right out, the life that we find in the faith. The phrase is this, the older your children get, the more the why is the key. So important to start with the why. Here's something as my kids got older, now I would say, you know, I've got two adult kids, is not only do I start with the why, I ask them what the why is and let them wrestle and share with it. Like, hey, guys, why, why do you think, and just leave it out there and let them wrestle with it. Now, I told you, I'm a fixer. Usually when I ask a question, like, I, I want that 30-second window where we get all the answers and we get everything wrapped up, right? But it doesn't work that way sometimes, especially with older kids. You just have to ask why and let them kind of process and deal with it and come back to it. But the older the children get, the more the why is the key. Here's the last thing. Help your kids to discover God and his ways. What does that mean to help them discover God and his ways? This is what we're basically saying. Think about the story that people tell. You read your history books, and, and maybe you've had an experience where you discovered something, right? And then you told someone else about it, or you even shared what you discovered with someone else. That's fun, right? That's exciting. But the discovery is the amazing part. That story of discovering it is a different story than just handing it over. Listen, you're going to be sharing your faith with your kids. We've been talking about that during this series. But somewhere in that, there is also the self-discovery your kids have to have, where they have discovered that, yeah, I get it, and I'm owning this. I want this myself as well. A.W. Tozer says it this way, to have found God and still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. If your kid was seven and they were baptized, we might have done the baptism over here or at the old school we were at, right? And the, your kid was baptized. Actually, I know several of your kids were because the, the, the pictures pop up on my Facebook feed and bring a smile to my face when that happens. But listen, just because they were baptized at seven doesn't mean they're not going to wrestle with everything we've talked about here. And there'll come a day where they have to discover and own it fully for themselves so what should you do, especially with teens? Help them discover it now. Leave things open-ended uh, in conversation so that they can wrestle with it. Say, hey, why don't you take the next couple weeks to, to work through that passage on your own and whatever you come up with, and then we'll come back and you just tell me what you think it's saying. Let them wrestle and own some of those things on their own. 
Now, I'm not saying back off and don't do anything. Yeah, you want to come to church? Fine. You know, whatever you want to do. You know, those kind of things. Youth group? Yeah, we know, whatever. No, there's still things that we would say, no, you need to go here. You, we need to put you in the environment where you keep hearing this. But helping your kids discover stuff is vital. Take a look at the passage. You might know this story of an Ethiopian that went to Jerusalem at, at the, the festival, and he heard about Christ. He went there for the purpose of worshiping God, but he learned about Jesus while he was there. And then God uses Philip in this way. <laughs> The Holy Spirit sends Philip up to the carriage. Philip heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you really understand what you are reading? And the man replied, without someone to guide me, how could I? And Philip then walks him through. Now, if you know the whole passage, you'll know uh, that Philip speaks to the man about explaining, well, here's what that scripture is. And then it wasn't Philip who said, hey, you ready to be baptized now? It's the Ethiopian himself who said, what would prevent me from being baptized? That's discovery of the faith, guiding them, leading them, asking questions. Let them ask questions. Knowing as a, from a, a fishing term, if I'm allowed, can, can I use a fishing term, Ponce? All right, don't look at me goofy. Um, but when you're fishing, you know, there's that time when you're, you're reeling, and then there's time when you're kind of letting the fish run. Now, I don't know how to do it myself. I'm just reverberating what Pastor Anson tells me. And, but there's the fish running and the time you're reeling in. And the goal eventually is to pull that fish all the way in. But it's not a constant pull in. You're letting them run, pull, letting them run till you get that in the boat or whatever. Was I close on that, Ponce? All right, good. I got a, a, a good from Ponce. Yeah, you know, what you're really doing there is the same thing you do with your kids. You let them discover things. And sometimes you have to let the kids Run a little bit with their thinking and let them process and wrestle with some things on your own. But guess what? They're never off your line. We're not letting them off the line. They're too important for us. And so we know when we have to pull and reel, and we know when we have to let them wrestle and run. That's how you help your kids discover. As your kids grow, to discover is more important than to be told. It's more important. Helping them discover. So you transition more from just a teacher when they're younger to more of a teacher or facilitator when they become teens. You're facilitating their growth as well. I tell some small group leaders sometimes to say, hey, you're a facilitator. What do I mean by that? Don't talk for 45 minutes. That's not what we want. You facilitate discussion. Work through the discussion questions and keep the conversation going. But at the same time, I don't want you as a facilitator to just, like, sit back and lean back in the chair and say, hey, you guys go, whatever you want to talk about, you know, and you, it gets all different directions. You got to kind of keep them on track with the questions that help guide us through the passage. That's what we do as parents, guiding them through. Parents, today on your way out, uh, I have a card for a discovery Bible study, I want to give you, I, I, I want to encourage you to actually incorporate that with how you interact with your kids in the scripture. It's set up to design to help your kids discover what's in the passage instead of you simply telling them what's in the passage. And so I want to encourage you to grab one of those on your way out today and use that with your family. Let's pray. Father, thank you for families. Thank you for this whole thing you've created 
and it's a it's a pretty amazing and awesome responsibility and 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 Lord, it even puts fear within us as parents at, at times. And how are we going to do this with our kids? But Father, you're going to teach us. You show us in your word. And I want to ask, Lord, this morning, if there be any parent that has been frustrated, or, or maybe they're starting to see the questioning and they're not quite sure, or maybe they're looking back on an adult child who's walked away. Father, this morning, could you refocus us could you teach us and, and, or invite us to hear more from you on how you want us to interact with our kids and their faith that they might discover this on their own, that they might understand the why of this. They may, might connect the dots of what we've tried to intentionally model over the time. And then, Lord, would you restore any relationship that needs to be restored, primarily the relationship of the child who may be an adult now to you. That's the first relationship. And then, Lord, if there be any awkwardness in the relationship from child to parent, because of faith issues, Lord, would you bring restoration to that as well? Lord, would we seek the resources that we need so that we can grow our kids and we can help them to a place where they've owned their faith that they may turn around and build into their own family one day? We pray in your son's name. Amen.